and welcome to the season one finale of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Today is episode 34, and for the last time, for just a couple of weeks, I'm Ross Anderson, and alongside me is John Muir. Instead of waiting until the end, I wanted to start by saying a massive thank you to everyone that has shown us love and support over the last nine months. Nine months. Which is pretty hard to believe, but every passing comment, every like on Facebook, every person that's come up to us and said they gave us a listen has meant the world. Like we've said many times before, we started out huddled around a laptop on a cold day in October, and now we're waiting for our very own merchandise to arrive. Pretty mental. Today, however, it's all about a bit of fun. 2022-23 has been a brutally long season with a whole host of ups and downs. And it's time to look back and smile before we have a breather for just a little bit and we get things ready for 2023-24. With new kit, new teams, new coaches, of course, new guests, but the same old Dumfries and Galloway rugby podcast. So we're going to start off today with a little bit of fun. If you follow us on our socials, you'll see that we asked about Kangaroo Court and I'll actually I'll pass over to John because it was it was his idea and John you can explain maybe what Kangaroo Court is to some people and the kind of responses you might have got and then of course we'll dive straight in. After that we're going to have a little bit of a reminisce about the season. We're going to ask each other some questions about what we've found about the podcast and our views on everything rugby and Dumfries and Galloway this season. Kangaroo Court then to begin, John. For the last time in season one of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, how are you, John? Good to see you, mate. Good to see you, Roscoe. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long, just as you were doing your little intro bit there, I was, uh, I had a wee snigger to myself that you're right. When we first started, it was freezing cold, miserable, you know, typical Scottish weather. And today, when we finish the podcast, you have a fan running in the background. I have a fan running in the background. And both of us are saying just how warm it is. Dumfries and Galloway, apparently yesterday, so this is uh, Tuesday for us, but on Monday was apparently the warmest place in the UK. That's how ridiculously warm it got. So how am I doing? I am sweating buckets here, mate, but getting a great suntan in the process. So we've got some good weather finally. And I don't, I didn't fancy playing in it, but fair play to the guys who who rocked out at the weekend to play on Saturday because that was horrendous standing at the side of the pitch. I had an ice cream, Ross. I'm not even going to lie to you. I had an ice cream and the thing was running down my cone. I couldn't eat the thing fast enough without it melting in my hand. It was unbelievable. Kangaroo Court, that was where you threw it over to me. So, Kangaroo Court, yeah... It's a bit of a rugby tradition. I suppose if you if you follow rugby, the famous kangaroo court probably goes all the way back to the, the documentary with the Lions, the, the very first one, where we had Keith Wood acting as, as judge. You had the bailiffs of uh, Rob Wainwright uh, and, and some of the other guys in that squad. You know, it's a sort of a, a court session, a mini court session, where you're held accountable for your actions throughout the season if you've made some bold claims and not backed them up, if you've forgotten your kit, if you've not got your, uh, if you've left your boots at home or, you know, it's a bit of lighthearted ribbing that, that happens within sports teams and various sports do it. Rugby always has to take it that little step further with a full dress up and then the, the judge and the judge outfit and the gavel and, and, bailiffs dragging people up and normally it's kept in-house which is evident from some of the responses we've had from the, the listeners it's normally a little bit of internal fun but i thought we would we would chance our arm and see if anybody was willing to share some some stories and call some mates out on the on the podcast so we've had a we've had a few stories coming in so there's one We'll give some headlines and we'll see which one you want to pick to tease it out and see if people listening are thinking, oh, that could be that could be me. So we have a a, a comeback story 
someone who had a bit of a nightmare comeback game for one of the clubs in D&G. And we have a bet that was made, I mean, by the, by all accounts, the video that I've seen, they showed me the video of the bet being made. There was a handshake, there was a full-blown full handshake. They were certainly worse for wear, the pair that, that made the bet. So do you want the betting story or do you want the nightmare comeback story? We'll go with the comeback story. Without giving it away, I know the more of the ins and outs of the betting story. So I'll hear the, the one I know absolutely nothing about so far, which is comeback. Okay. So the comeback story, we'll set the scene because it needs a little bit of context. So this club had a player who had left and was playing at a fairly high level, premiership level. Their team was in the National League's their home club, and their dad happens to be the head coach of the team as well. So in case we haven't put that together, we're talking about Annan Warriors here. And Kayleigh, who's Chocolate's daughter, was playing up at Heriot's and playing in the Premiership, played in the Cup fixtures for Heriot's. And then over the course of the season, over the course of the Cup run and maybe into pre-season, she ended up, she she did herself a, a, a mischief, got herself injured and wasn't able to play that whole season. Pretty much the next season she was she was out of the game. But game it towards the end of the season, she decides that she's making a comeback. She's got her shoulder rehab. I think it was her shoulder. She's got a rehab done. She's coming back in for the for the season. Chocolate's obviously excited. Not only has he got his daughter back in the team, but also, you know, she's played at a high level. She's a, a really good player. So the team must have been psyched to have her have her coming on as well. She lasted 10 minutes in the game, and not because she got injured, but because she got herself yellow-carded, sin-binned, within 10 minutes of her comeback. And what made it even worse was that Annan Warriors hadn't received the yellow card the whole season. And it was Chocolate's daughter that came back in her comeback 10 minutes minutes on the pitch and got herself got herself in the bin what a what a disaster of a comeback for her and I don't think I think that was the last game of the season so I don't even think she got a chance to redeem herself so that was story number one story number two which is the bet which we'll probably have to give a little bit of context for or some background story obviously if Roscoe knows about it we're talking about Stewartry Rugby Club here and there was a bet made between Two individuals, and I don't think the bet's been followed through yet from all from my reporting that I've had. Maybe Ross will be able to give us an update. The brother of the captain. So again, we're talking we're talking uh, Stuartry here. So John Pickin, captain, Andrew Pickin, his brother, and a Marine, Royal Marine, Matty Taylor. Made a bet drunkenly, granted, but there was a shake of a hands and word is your bond. And Andrew's side of the bet was that if Isco Bride had happened to win the cup game at Murrayfield, then Andrew was going to get his nipple pierced. And Matty's response was that if he was going to do that and Stewartry won the cup game, then Matty was going to get a tattoo somewhere on his body of the final score. And so far, I don't think that has happened at all. So we're calling out Matty Taylor on the podcast. Be a man of your word, Matty. Get yourself tattooed. Yeah, no, it definitely hasn't come to fruition yet, but there has been check-ins on the group chat every now and then just to make sure that it doesn't slide itself under the carpet and people don't forget about it. You know, we're keeping it alive. So at one point in time, it's going to have to happen. We're very much looking forward to it and we will let everyone know on the podcast as well. We do a review every single week, don't we? And now it's time to do a nine-month review, which is pretty mental. But before we come on to that, John, one of the running gags we've had on the inaugural season of our podcast was that I'm a little bit younger than you are. Just a little, just just a wee bit. I don't think we've ever said how, how big the difference is, but we'll just say a little bit. Which means you've been in rugby a little bit more. You've been on the coaching side. You've been on playing side, you've been on the development officer side, committee side, 
and all four of those pretty much at the same time as well. So if it were me asking Kangaroo Court and I came to you, there's got to be a few things you have to tell us from your time in this sport that we love. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few, as I say, there'll be some few boy, a few boys squirming in their seat just now because I do have quite a lot of dirt on quite a few people because not very many people will probably realise this or know this, especially seeing my antics on a dance floor of a of a Saturday night after the game. But in actual fact, I'm totally teetotal. I've I've never drank alcohol. Well, that's that's a lie. I have drank alcohol and then being violently sick after it. And not in a way where everybody goes, oh, we're all sick about drinking alcohol, John. I mean, and I t- take a cough bottle that has alcohol in it, and I am sick. That sort of reaction to it. So, obviously on team nights out, I am 100% stone cold sober, and I have seen many a thing. I have heard many a thing. And some of the stories are horrendous. We are talking weird noises coming out of changing rooms. We are talking finding people passed out in random places. We are talking having to take someone home to their in-laws, which is a great story, which I I will probably share in this kangaroo court because I can keep some names out of it and a lot of people won't know, but... People in the know will know. I've also had some classic call-off stories as to why some of these, you'll think that I will have made these up, but the the majority, not the majority, they are all 100% true in terms of some of the some of the call-offs. So we'll start there with a nice easy one and we'll, we'll lay some uh, groundwork out for some of the other ones. So obviously, as you say, Roscoe, I was head coach, Stuart Trey, for... I think it was six seasons, six years. And that was at the stage, if you listen back to JP's episode, where he said, you know, that we were sort of trying to build almost from Ash, where we didn't have anything. The team was pretty close to folding. David Borland had came in and sort of saved the day as a last minute number. Me and John Kerr had tried to be a bit of a player coach at that time, but we just, we weren't in a position to be able to do that. We plugged some gaps and was able to make that happen. David came in and, and bailed us out of that. And then eventually, as you say, I took over as head coach. And some of the classic call-offs, I, thought, I think it was my very first season. This is this tells you the sort of state we were maybe in. Was that a boy called off, told me he couldn't come to pre-season training. Now you think probably the normal reasons of, you know, silage and working and all the rest of it. I could have took that as an excuse. But no, no. This boy's excuse was better. He turned around and told me that he couldn't come to pre-season training because he hadn't been to Sports Direct to buy his boots yet. He had boots from the previous season that were fine. That were fine. He had trainers that he could have worn, but wasn't, wasn't able to come to training because he hadn't been to Sports Direct to buy his boots yet. And I offered to go and buy them. <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it. I'll go and pick them up for you. No, 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 no. It's It's fine. So that was that was a, an opener for what was what was to come. I had another can't remember when this this one was, but it was a laddie who told me that he wasn't able to come to training because he had to go and feed his mum's goldfish because his mum had been on holiday, and he was needing, he was the only one that could go and feed the goldfish. Now the goldfish didn't have a set dinner time, but he decided that training night. Funnily enough, it was it was absolutely chucking it down a rain that night. But he decided that that was the that was the time that he had to go and feed his goldfish, his mum's goldfish. So we had that one, and then probably the most famous one was I had a boy. Now you're saying I'm older than you. Like we're still talking that this story happened in like the late 2010s. So we're talking 2015, 2016, maybe. So the internet's around. The internet's been a thing for a while. Home delivery has been a thing for a while. But I had a boy who called off, told me he couldn't come and play a game because him and his girlfriend had to go shopping for a washing machine. Now, I don't know about you, Ross, but if you're looking for a washing machine, what kind of things are you looking for? 
one that has buttons that are easy to work so I know what I'm doing and one that just washes your code. Yeah, so uh, a wee a wee search on the internet, you would be able to find you'd be able to find that. But no, no, he was taking the whole day to go to Glasgow, I think, actually, to go and buy a washing machine. When the match itself was actually in Glasgow, that's what made it even worse for me. I was like, go and buy a washing machine in the morning and then meet us up for the game. But that, so that was three little easy ones. I'll maybe only tell the this story about the drunken because I'm going to save a few boys' skins because. I want to still stay friends with some of them. Some of them, not all of them, just some of them. We had a lad who joined our team, Stuart Trey. He's still around, I still, I still see him, I still chat to him. And he was given it the big licks that he had been to uni, so was able to hand a bus, handle a bus trip. We would get you drunk, but we would look after you. That was always one of our priorities, was we'll get you drunk and we'll look after you. So we said to this boy, listen, you need to watch what you're doing because, you know, we can drink. We know that boys can put things away. We don't know how, how much you can put away. I've been to uni. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. So, kangaroo court session in the back of the bus. This boy ends up absolutely bluttered. He ends up coming off the bus. And I won't name his name because he's in a position where he needs to be seen as a, to be responsible. But everybody's got a story. Absolutely smashed and ended up falling off the bus and he told us beforehand that he actually had a dinner date with his, his fiance at the time and his in-laws. So he's trying to get his phone out of his pocket and trying to work his phone, but couldn't even see. Like, the boy literally couldn't even have slapped himself in the face. He was that far gone. So as the coach and as the responsible person on the bus, I had to, I had to do the dreaded phone call and phone his missus and be like, I'm really sorry, but I have so-and-so here. He's a bit worse for wear. I am driving, so I will drive him to your house if you want. To which the response was, I'm actually out with my mum my, my and dad, and he's supposed to be coming to this as well. And we're already there and we're waiting for him. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> don't know what you want me to do. So in fairness to her, she was brand new. She was like, tell you what, bring him round. I'll get my dad to jump out the car. He can take him home and we'll we'll deal with it that way. And I was like, oh, this is going to be dodgy. Father-in-law, supposed to be going out for dinner. You're absolutely smashed. This is not going to go well. Took the boy home, picked up the, the father-in-law. And in fairness to the father-in-law, absolutely brand new as well. Taking the mick out of him. What a state to be in. Look at you, blah, blah, blah. Drove to the guy's house, opened the door, the car door. We tried to pull him out. What happened next? Police pulled up. Police pulled up and asked us what was going on. So we've had to try and explain, listen, he's a bit worse for wear. We're trying to get him into that house there. He's fine. We're not trying to kidnap him. This is his father-in-law. We're trying to get him in the house. So the police... I bet Paulus must have knew rugby, seen my kit, all the rest of it, and he's like, listen, that's fine, carry on. So we huckled the boy into the house, left him on this uh, on this hallway floor, and credit to the father-in-law, he turns to me, looks at the boy on the ground, looks back at me, and he goes, any chance I can get a lift back to the pub? He went and got the boy a trash can, uh, like a basin, left the basin at him, told him, you're able to look after yourself, just make sure you spew in that basin. Don't spew on the floor. I'm away back to the pub. Fella jumped back in the car, drove him to the pub, dropped him off home, left the boy there. I don't. Th- I think he played one more game and that was it. We never seen that boy again. He got himself in such a state that he got himself scared and uh, decided that he was going to have a have a break from rugby and take up another sport. So, but another boy that was absolutely this one I'll keep quick because that one I like to gl- glabber on with these stories. But there's another one made a boy. Who um, got same thing? Won a bottle or won a bottle in the raffle. We said to him, "Listen, go canny with that. You can't just neck that yourself. It needs to go around the bus." The boy was determined that he was going to see this bottle away. Seen the bottle away. Went to the bar at the bottom of the CD. Absolutely bluttered. Sat him on the stool. Went to go and get him a glass of water. Face first off the stool. Face planted into the concrete. Somebody in the pub phoned an ambulance because they were that worried about him. Ambulance arrived. The boy's mum turned up. 
started berating our team captain at the time. Now, the team captain's blitzed. He's having to hold on to the wall to try and keep himself up, never mind anything else. And the boy's mother was going, absolutely do lally at him because he got the, he got our boy in such a such a state. We tried to defend it by saying, listen, it was nothing to do with us. We told him to calm down, but absolutely blittered. The joys of alcohol. Well, I wonder how many other stories, not only you will have, John, but the rest of Dumfries and Galloway, when you put all the rugby players, past and present, coaches, even parents, father-in-laws, all together, there must be so much to bring. As I say, we'll continue to do that over next season, do a couple of kangaroo courts, see if people can remember some more funny stories. I'm sure there will have been a lot of great stories from this season as well, 2022-23, because it has been a very long season, but a very good season. And like I said at the start, with ups and downs. Before we do a little bit of a review, and I ask you some questions, John, we need to finish off with the last bit of rugby we had. So the Stewartry Sirens and Shire were playing in the Women's 7 Series at the weekend at Greenlaw. Of course, we had Adrian Henry on the podcast from Rugby People, who was chatting us through it, and it was a really, really good day by all accounts, both on and off the field. Unfortunately, I was in Edinburgh seeing some mates, so I missed it. But John, as you said, you were standing there with your ice cream. How was it all? It was such a great day, such a, a, a festival atmosphere. I know Adrian had sort of said and his that he, he wanted the rugby to be the focal point. And, uh, uh, you know, there was some awesome rugby going on. Now, because of the weather, they had changed the format of the competition a little bit, which just added to that extra bit of tension that was happening throughout throughout the day. So essentially, there was two very clear, strong sides. Stuart Sirens had gone unbeaten. They were undefeated the whole day, but so were Kerstorf and Cougars. Now, as we've said in the podcast with Adrian and, and last week, Kostorf and Cougars are the current reigning champions. They were the winners of the last leg. And if the Sirens were going to have a chance to beat them, it was going to be down at Greenlaw playing on their home patch with our with our home supporters. So it went right down to the wire. Now, because of the weather, because it was so warm, Adrian had decided beforehand that every team was going to play four games. It was going to be a random draw as to what four games you were playing. Now, of course... Stuart and Cougars, nobody would have known this, but Stuart and Cougars never actually got to play each other. They were playing the other teams that were in the in the competition. So what ended up happening was the rules were set that whoever won the most games would be the overall winner. If there was a draw come the end of that, then it would go down to a try scored. And if that was a draw, it would go down to points difference. Now, you literally couldn't write it but in the last game, Stuart Sirens had to win. Kerstorfin still had a game left to play. Sirens race ahead. They're winning currently on tries scored. Same number of games played, same number of games won. Sirens go in, tries scored. Kerstorfin have to chase them. They have to go after it. The very last play of the game, the very last play, Kerstorfin Cougars opposition, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but they were clearly struggling, I think it was Shire actually, I think they were struggling with the heat, there were a couple of couple of girls that were looking really tired, looking really red absolutely understandable in that heat I seen them shaping up and I was like, don't kick that please don't kick that but the girl must have thought she'd seen some space and kicked the ball to one of Kerstorfin's fastest players and as soon as she got the ball, I was standing next to Adrian at the time. Adrian turned to me and he goes, this is a score. And of course, Kerstorfin, the girl of Kerstorfin, she ran from just about her own 22-metre line, made a break, got through a tackle and, and ran in and scored to draw on try scored. Kick-off ended up happening. Don't know how they'd managed it, but Stewartry had managed, I'm sure Stewartry had managed to get a player onto the Shire team. If they, I think they must have been struggling with an injury or a heat stroke or something. And the Stuart player managed to get a hold of the ball. I think I think Claire Manson, that looked certainly like a like Claire running down the down the wing. She got the ball, ran 
full length of the park and, and scored, which then made it really interesting because they then tied on games won, they tied on games points scored, tries scored. So it then came down to what the points difference was and was that try going to be the difference maker? And unfortunately for the Sirens, it wasn't the tries that were the difference. It was actually, like a, I think it must have been conversions because it was eight points was the difference. So four kicks across the whole day is what it came down to. That was how tight it was at the top. So I said it was it was a great game, as you say, Stuart Trey going unbeaten. Shire were there. Now, Shire, you've got to give them credit. They're a, a team that's developing. They're coming into coming into that. The competition there was phenomenal. You know, mostly premiership teams. And they absolutely did not do themselves a disgrace. They certainly showed like they could they could certainly hang in that competition with a bit more experience, a bit more nouse about them. They certainly could have could have caused a, a few upsets. So they did really well in their games playing up against some really tough opposition. But as I say, congratulations to Kerstorfen. They come away with the the championship because they've won round one, they've round they've won leg two, so they can go into leg three a little bit more relaxed, which is uh, which is happening up at up in Edinburgh this weekend. Yeah, but as you say, an all round great day, not just the weather, but everything that comes along with it. Well done to everyone at Stuart Tree and Shire in the teams, and well done to everyone for putting on such a class day at Greenlaw. Long may it continue. Hopefully, like Adrian said on our episode. It can continue doing that for as long as possible. So that means that rugby is finished for season one of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, since this is our last episode before we're starting the new season. Been a long time. The rugby is finally finished. So we can now do our year review, everything review. So before I ask you some more quick fire questions, John, we should ask first. How long have you been involved in any capacity in rugby in Dumfries and Galloway? Was 2006 not your first year, something like that? 2008, April 2008. Okay, so 15 years. What has this season been like as a whole general review because you've been involved in a different way this season? You've been a coach, you've been a player, but this season it's all been about everything in Dumfries and Galloway because we started this podcast we've looked at all the teams and all the players all the coaches we've brought everything together in Dumfries and Galloway that's what we wanted to do when we set up this podcast so how has it differed for you this season how have you viewed this rugby season in Dumfries and Galloway compared to some of the others that you've been involved in I think Dumfries and Galloway has always had good seasons sporadically throughout throughout that 15 years you know I, I remember you know we had lots of local derbies against Newton Stewart because there was there was Newton there was Stewart Trey there was Annan the same division in the same league I've seen the growth at Newton Stewart where they've they've you know got them got them their act together some players come through their youth set up which had been in the works for a while and they've managed to plough up through the leagues there was Annan's unbeaten season like a couple of years ago Stuartry won in their league. There was Shire when they got themselves all organised and, and started rocketing up the up the leagues. There was, you know, only one women's team in Dumfries and Galloway not that long ago. We've now got three potentially with Dumfries looking to try and start their women's section. Potentially we could have four women's team in the in the region. You know, we've seen the Sirens get into the Premiership before and then the restructure and how that's looked. And Annan and Stewartry having a ding-dong battle all the way through the leagues. But this season, I think, I had, listen, this is going to... I don't want this to come across as, you know, patting ourselves on the back or, or anything like that. But this season has been something slightly different, I think, in terms of we've all done it. We've all sat at the end of the end of a match on a weekend and we looked at a scoreline and thought, oh, I wonder what's happened there. What's What's been the chat? How's how's that happened? How are Newton Stewart flying through the leagues? How did Dumfries win that game against top of the table? How did 
you know, so and so East Kilbride or or Garnock beat Stuart Trey in, in those games because they were flying. And I think, you know, that was the key the the key that was missing. Like I think everybody has a keen interest, obviously, in rugby and how each other goes, as we've talked about all the time. I think this this year, just by having the podcast, the amount of people that have came and spoke to me and said, Listen, we think it's great hearing what's happening with the other teams and and also having an opportunity to actually sit down and chat with, you know, the likes of Wiley or the likes of Goggs, who I I know have passing comment with, and everybody else kind of knows and has passing comments on the touchline. But we normally see each other when we're concentrating on other things, where we've got a game to play or we've got, you know, a training session to run or or we're, you know, out shopping and we happen to run into each other. We don't really get that chance to sit down and talk rugby. And I think this season and what the podcast has done for rugby and Dumfries and Galloway, I think, has rejuvenated and got that buzz about it again that that we we now know the stories behind those score lines. It's an opportunity for coaches and for those individuals to come and reach out to us and clubs to promote what they're doing and come and reach out to us and say, you know, we can't put this on a social media post, we can't put this on a Twitter page, but can we come on the podcast and can we we chat over what we've done with our culture, what we've done within the squad, name the unsung heroes, thank those people that have made the club so successful. It's obviously been a really good year for the majority of clubs in D&G. You've obviously had some clubs that maybe struggle or are maybe going through a rebuild process, but that always happens. That's always the case. You know, you you ride that wave when the good times are there and sometimes you know, you have to you have to do those little rebuild sessions. So being able to get people on and have that conversation and chat rugby with them has been certainly I've enjoyed this season. I think lots of other people from the feedback I've had has been positive. I, I don't think anyone's ever came up to me and told me the podcast is rubbish. They've been surprised at, at maybe <laughs> maybe I should be offended, but it's almost like they're surprised. Oh, the podcast is actually quite good. Yeah, we're, we're trying. We're trying. We're certainly trying. So, I said, hopefully the support continues. Hopefully people have enjoyed it. Hopefully people will engage with us because we are here to help. We're not here to try and hang anyone out to dry or criticise anyone. We want to showcase the best of Dumfries and Galloway. And certainly, I hope that everyone listening thinks that that's, that's certainly been the case. You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest updates, captivating interviews and in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now we have some exciting news for our listeners. This season we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England. What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland. So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season and looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options. But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch available only at beuniforms.com. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Now, let's get get back to the action on the field. 
Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. So, a couple quick-fire questions for you. Take your time if you need to think about them, because there's, there's definitely a lot of answers for one question. You'll see what I mean in a second. There's a lot okay. of you can think of when I think of something. There's a lot of different teams, different players, all that kind of stuff. So, we'll start with the hardest. Favourite guest we've had on this podcast. Oh, Listen, I've enjoyed. I'm going to go political here. I've enjoyed all the guests. All the guests have been have been brilliant. But I will nail my colours to the mass, and I will say that probably our first one with Wiley, with Martin Wallace, was probably was probably the most nerve wracking one we've done. That although I know I know Wiley and I've known Wiley for a while, it was still the first guest that was outside of our immediate bubble we'd obviously had Stafford who was our our first very first guest and he was brilliant but we kind of knew Stafford you know we, we knew him really well I'd coached him all the way up through you'd obviously gone to Merkey with him but Wiley was that first one where we were really nervous about sitting down and having a chat with him and I know he was a little bit nervous about coming on because it was the first guest and they don't know what's going to happen but I think that really did set the tone because it was just us chatting through some rugby, chatting about it, and the, the feedback that we got from it was awesome, was great. And and probably that's what set us off in the trajectory that, that had everybody comfortable enough or reasonably comfortable enough to come on the podcast and, and chat with us. So I'm I'm probably going to nail my colours to the mass and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Wiley. Most memorable game you watched live, because you did a lot better than myself this season. I'm going to try and be a lot better next season and go and actually see a lot of the teams and a lot of the players I've been chatting about. But you saw quite a few. What was the best? Yeah, I did watch a few a few games. I think the Dumfries-Newton-Stewart game was a really good game where you could really see the best of Dumfries and Galloway going, going at it. But I think I have to stay loyal to, to Stewartry here. And I have to probably say that being at Murrayfield, watching the Stuarty team on that main pitch and, and knowing that I'd coached quite a lot of the boys, knowing how much it meant to Sandy, knowing how much it meant to Davey, knowing how much it meant to the club. But then also seeing, you know, we're in a fortunate position, Roscoe, where you're going around the schools just now and you're visiting the schools delivering some rugby sessions. I've obviously known those kids through through their, their youth section through my time whenever whenever I haven't been on this secondment. But being able to see how much inspiration and how much excitement there was and buzz around a group of guys from Dumfries and Galloway being able to make it to play on the main pitch at Murrayfield where Scotland play was just an incredible thing to watch. And obviously personal ties, I have no I'm I'm not even going to be apologetic for that that Obviously, 15 years the club I've worked at got into Murrayfield after 20 years, the last appearance. And then being able to go on and win it, I thought was was extra special. Top performers this year, players of the year. And I'm going to say players plural because I think choosing one out of the six teams in Dumfries and Galloway is bloody impossible. So who are the names we've been saying over and over again? Who's been catching your eye, who's been just tearing it up in Dumfries and Galloway this season? Well, we're going to probably have to start with National League Player of the Year, Mark McCormick. He's clearly had a fantastic season. Again, I've known Mark since he was in the youth section at, at Newton Stewart. Always a talented boy, real hard grafter. Really does, you know, work hard at the things that that most folk will shy away from. He's willing to put in that extra graft and not even have to be asked to do it. He just he just goes and does it. You know, was at the Super Six. That's why he was National League Player of the Year. That's why, you know, he made the the Glasgow in the West squad. Just absolute absolute graft. Then you've got to go probably 
Phaedrus Nelman, phenomenal season. We talk about her every week. She seems to be the linchpin of that Stuart Sirens team that's able to, you know, get tries when, when other people maybe could only dream of scoring the big kind of tries that she scores, you know, from, from inside her own half, making big breaks. She's got the follow-up, the lines. And I think, it, you know, it really gives inspiration to a team whenever you've got a player of that ability that you know that if you need to make a line break, you can just get the ball to them and, and they can create something and then you just can play off that as a team. You then got to go Nicole Barlow in the, in the, for the Women's National Leagues. Again, another award-winning player of the year. We talk about her, you know, numerous times. Chocolate's always saying about how she leads from the front. I think she's she'll have had a, a tremendous season, had such an impact on Anne and Rugby. Even the, the girls at that club as well, coming up through Nicole, yeah, I know they'll, a lot of them look up to look up to Nicole, even though she is only small herself. <laughs> but but no, listen, I think Nicole will have had a fantastic season with all the reports that we've had about her uh, really leading from the front there. I think it's probably going to be difficult at Dumfries to, to separate but that, that back row. You know, it seems to be every week we talk about the, those boys in the back row being the, the real real game changers over there. I think, you know, the effort that the guys all have put in and as, you know, Goldie was talking about defensive effort, generally it's a sweeping statement, but generally, you know, the back rowers are the guys that are, are, are sort of setting that tone. So I think that those three boys that they, they play in the back row will have had a tremendous season. Of course, Jason as well, he's he's big boot that obviously made a made a big impact. And then I mentioned previously about Robbie McCormick at Newton Stewart. I think he'll he's had a phenomenal season as well. So going through those guys. Stewartry, I think again you, you have to look at the games that I've certainly watched. I think Angus Lindsay has been, you know, phenomenal this season. Captain and waiting of that of that squad and Again, another boy who just does the hard graft without having to be asked. I think he he, he puts himself about. The veteran Stephen McCulloch, like uh, we've said numerous times, we've slagged him off for his age and he's he's hard paper round. But you know, nicknamed the postman because he always delivers. That's he's <laughs> got it tattooed on the back of his neck. Yeah, I think he's had a phenomenal season as well. You then got to go across Annan. I think Josh Whiteside. I, I got the privilege to see him play. He's a phenomenal player. He he's you know a fan and can build their squad in and around him. They'll they'll do really well. He's just he's got pace. He's got a big boot. He reads the game fairly well. And I I liked I liked a lot what I seen from him in the, the game that we played. And a good lad as well. You know we we were able to have a bit of banter on the pitch. So you know normally you get some of those guys that are maybe difficult to get on with, but he seemed he seemed a really genuine nice guy. And as we said, had a, had a good season for for Aaron. He won Player of the Year. You then go on Shire. I mean, I don't think you can go any further than Jason McKee. We've talked about him all the time. You know, he's a player who who could play at much much higher level, but chooses to stay and play at at Wigtonshire. Again, nailing his colours to the mast. The, the team that sort of brought him through his age grade rugby and supported him and. He had a, a a couple of seasons over at Newton Stewart, which also helped him develop. But he knows where his hometown is at Shire, and then down at Moffat, you're looking at Max Douglas, bags of potential from from all accounts from Cami. Again, I, I've I've seen Max coming through the youth the youth section, and he's always been a, a fairly talented player. So being able to see them build that team around him and just get him some more experience in senior rugby, and hopefully. New coach Ross coming in will be able to add some things to his to his game and add some things to the repertoire and and get them back on track. Cami obviously still working with them behind the scenes. His magic wand, but you know sometimes our fresh voice helps. So hopefully Max and Ross will be able to sort Moffat's season out because I think Max is again another boy with potential that could play at a, a higher level. Shire ladies probably talking Carla Campbell, very good season. You'll probably be talking Neve Finlay. Work rate from what I, when I've watched them guys play, just sheer work rate that just want to be about the pitch and want to try and you know impact the game as much as they can, even when they're tired, even when they're struggling. You can see they're struggling. They're still willing to work work that that 
little extra half yard and get up off that ground that couple of seconds uh, earlier than everybody else. Funniest moment you can remember, either that you've seen or a coach has told you about a game or even a guest has told us about? Is it one, one that just applies to my sense of humour? You know, when we went to the, when I went to the Dumfries uh, Newton Stewart game, I'd been banging on about the defences of both teams, how they're, they're going to cancel each other out and how, you know, that, that will be the, the game changer. Obviously, the boys were listening to the podcast because no one had thought about bringing a ball out. They just, <laughs> they just wanted to, to get at each other. Again, that just appeals to my, my sense of humour. Last but not least then, team of the year. Good luck with that one. I'm glad I had this idea for quick fire questions and not you. <laughs> team of the year. Well, I think in the ladies' side, you have to go you have to go straight to silence. Unbeaten in the league, promoted into the premiership. I don't think you can argue with that. The men's side, unless I, I'm I'm willing to be accused of being biased here. But again, I'm I'm going to have to say Stuartry. Now, close, and only probably because of the cup competition, because if we are brutally honest, they didn't win the league. Now, Newton Stewart didn't win the league either, but Newton Stewart had their losses mixed amongst the other teams, and they, the teams were beating each other. In Stuartry's league, Garnock beat them twice. Home and, home and away. So that puts them in a slightly different category. So I'd have probably put on league form. If it had purely been the league and Stuart hadn't won the cup, I'd have probably went you and Stuart. But because of that cup run, because of that, getting to Murrayfield, and listen, I'm more than happy for people to call me biased, but I'm going to have to go Stuart on that one as well. Sorry, Wiley. Sorry, everybody. Fair play to you, John. Those are tough questions to answer. You know, and there's a lot of amazing players this season, especially. You could We could sit here and mention a hundred more that have been fantastic. Every team in their own right has had ups and downs. No one has had a perfect season. So, again, it's really hard to choose that winner to make it so easy. No, None of these decisions, none of these questions I've asked you are easy. So, fair play to you. That is Rugby 2022-23 for Dumfries and Galloway rounded up. It's been 34 episodes, countless number of hours recording and editing and chatting away to all the coaches, players, deals, professionals, everyone that we've had on this podcast. Thousands and thousands of listens as well. And that is what puts the biggest smile on our face, I think. I don't know the exact number. Obviously, we still need to total up for this episode as well. But my rough estimate would be about 16,000, which is which is truly amazing. Thank you very much. I just want to echo that, Ross. It's It really is so humbling and so special. The, just at the weekend there, I had uh, had someone approach me again. I'll not, I'll not name names to embarrass them, but they, they all know who they are. And he, he said, you know, the rugby podcast is... Is his go to every week. He looks forward to to listening to it. And obviously, we chat we chat through rugby. But one of the things that he said to me as well, which also just kind of made it feel a little bit more special, was that he listened to our me- our episode on mental health. And he was like, actually, there was there was a couple of things that you said that just really made me think about how I maybe speak to people whenever we talk about mental health and and all that sort of stuff. So. Podcast is my my zen moment. That's you know I listen to podcasts to try and relax. And if I mean if people are listening to us to try and relax, then God help them. Yeah, I'm sure there's some more calming, <laughs> some more calming voices out there. But I said if we are if we are bringing rugby together in the community, we are shaping people's views on how how rugby's going and and things that are happening in the sport. Again, we had to review the the parent who had said you know that the was a non rugby player listening to a chat around in and around the tackle height was was I think the word was enlightening. So it's we set it up with the intention of letting people know that what rugby's what rugby's happening and we've created something now that's uh, it's gonna be difficult for us to live up to but 
people are still listening and people keep listening, we'll we'll keep recording, we'll keep we'll keep doing it, we'll keep trying our best and hopefully people enjoy it and hopefully people tune in for season two. Big guests lined up already. We've got a few guys who've who have moved club. There's there's another another one still to be announced, potentially not potentially they are moving, so we'll uh, we'll watch that with bated breath over the over our down season. We'll get those guys on the podcast to to chat over what it's like with their move. We'll we'll have more chats with the new coaches and the guys in new positions, presidents. I had a president approach me saying that he's more than happy to come on the podcast once he becomes president. So we'll have a few few more angles to look at and as I say if people listening we'll we'll keep doing it. As always, there's plenty still left to look forward to. For the last time in season one, it's been a pleasure, John. Cheers. Cheers, Roscoe. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. As this is the final episode of season one, we'd like to take this moment to thank some people for their support this season in making our podcast what it is. A lot has gone into this season. <clears throat> Pardon me. A lot has gone in this season to try and pull all six Dumfries and Galloway clubs together, and they deserve their recognition. So we'd like to thank from Annan, Gogs and Chocolate for their match reports. From Dumfries. Gav Blackburn, Craig Goldie and Jack Steele. From Moffat, Cammy Little. From Stewartry, Sandy Curry, Dav Thompson and Donna Burns. From Shire, we'd like to thank Alan, Gregor and John. We'd also like to take this moment to thank all of the guests who have appeared on the podcast because I genuinely do not think we would have been able to pull this off without all of your help. So thanks very much.